Hello and welcome back to From the BL End. I'm Simon Evans and uh, we thought we had a full squad with us today, but uh, Greaves' Wi-Fi is packed up on him, so he's not with us. But I've got Justin Connolly, Paul Woodhouse and Chris Borden with us uh, as we look ahead to the West Ham United match. And uh, I think I can speak for all of us that I'm glad that that international break is over. They do seem to drag on, don't they? Um, Thanksgiving Day, we're recording this on. Of course, it'll be Black Friday by the time you're listening to it. But Woody, our man in Cleveland, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. And to you, and to you too, and our American listeners, and anybody else who cares. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, our American <laughs> listeners. I, I was looking actually to see um, about where people listen to this show from, and it came up that uh, America was our number two audience after the UK, obviously. Number three was Australia, but I bet no one can guess what is our number four market for from the BOL end audience share. Vanuatu. Apton. <laughs> France. No Wi-Fi in Apton. No one's listening. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Japan. Japan. Oh, yeah. Really? Above, above Belgium? I mean, I'm not surprised that Belgium was in, in the top ten and Ireland. But, yeah, Japan above Canada Japan. as well. Very weird. I don't know what that is about. So if you're some weird English teacher in Japan who listens to <laughs> our episode 40 times every week, then uh, yeah. please do drop us a note and let us know. Anyway, let's get down to uh, business. <laughs> it's the first flag day game, isn't it? It's the first game where fans are allowed to bring in flags, but mm. only if they are flags from the club shop officially bought, which uh, we saw this week have been reduced to half price, I believe. So... Are we gonna are we gonna see any flags, Justin? Are you gonna have anyone obstructing your view? I'm well, sincerely hope not. I hope that I hope the fact that they've reduced the price of these things means that nobody's buying them. I mean, ultimately, I'm largely ambivalent about it until it starts to affect me, right? So, I, I can't I can't see it affecting the atmosphere on the pit, uh, in the stadium at all. The only thing that will affect the atmosphere is what's going on on the pitch. You know, conceding goals, which we have been rather better at than we should have been over the last six games at home, is the atmosphere killer, especially when one goes in early. Um, I think stop conceding early goals, uh, or goals from corners in particular, and the atmosphere will improve dramatically. Um, as for the, I mean, you know what? I, the principal activity that a person engages in when they attend a football match is watching the football, isn't it? And it seems like wild to me to encourage an activity in the ground that will actively interfere with like the principal reason that people are there, you know. So um, I'm just, I'm hoping there's no one sat in front of me waving a flag throughout the game because it'll be bad news for them as well as me. <laughs> what, 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 what do you think the thinking is behind it? I mean, does anyone seriously, I mean, I'll take Justin's point. Does anyone seriously think the atmosphere is going to get better because people are waving flags? Boats? I think this this sort of uh, presumption that, you know, like, you know, like, like Sellers Park, I mean, like Palace have, uh, you know, created, uh, you, know, you know, terrific atmospheres and it, it's full of, uh, it's full of flags. You've got the, you know, the war flags guys at, uh, at Newcastle, but it's, you know, it's, it's it's not the cop 40, 50 years ago, is it? You know what I mean? It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, like I say, if, they've got to just stay in games. If they're still in the game with half an hour to mm. go, the atmosphere will be fine. The atmosphere, you know, Burnley yeah. fans will, will, will get right behind their team, come hell or high water, but 
they've not been in games with half an hour to go. And if if you've lost the game, with half an hour to go, there's not there's no bigger atmosphere killer in football, is it? It's just utterly pointless. It's a futile exercise. Woody, it strikes me a bit like, and we've been through MLS games at uh, Columbus Crew, and I've been at a few other places as well, where they have these supporters sections, as they call yeah. them, where they, they did yeah. manufacture this kind of scene, didn't they, where mm-hmm. you had flags and banners and you have you have people stood up and singing songs, pretty naff ones in, in, in quite often mm-hmm. cases in MLS. But over time, it did. To be fair, you look at some of the grounds in MLS and the newer teams that have come in and stuff, and this American idea of a supporters section, which is basically trying to manufacture what used to be called home ends in England, when yeah. we still had things like that, um, they have sort of taken on a bit of life, some of them. I mean, the Columbus in the new stadium, when I look at it, it, it looks a pretty good atmosphere, and, and flags are part of those supporters yeah. sections. I mean, is there some logic behind yeah. this thinking? I mean, it's it, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? It's, it's I know what you mean. With regards to that supporters section, even in the old ground uh, crew, was a fantastic little spot, you know, just to shove everybody who wants to like sing, dance, do whatever they damn well please, and just like lose their shit. It's a great little idea, you know. It's no different to saying there's your standing section, away you go. But I've just mm-hmm. been looking at these flags at seven fifty, and if things go badly and people start setting them on fire, they look like they'll go up like little like Roman <laughs> candles. <laughs> it could be absolute carnage. So I sincerely hope somebody's thought about that one. But it's it's just all going to look a bit like even even if they did take off, and it sounds like people aren't buying them. But even if it did, the fact that there are only like three different varieties of flags and they're all official ones, it'll just yeah. look like they've been handed out, won't it? It'll look like yeah. an England under 16s game, you know, the old Wembley, yeah. where you, everyone mm. had them. You know, everyone went to Wembley for the first time, and they're waving them little flags on the on the. Well, when you used to be able to take a wooden flagpole in, that sort of thing is. <laughs> Nah, it's just not for me. Not for me. So if you're gonna have the, the, you know, the huge, the flags that are like a monument to your, to your history, and the, you, know, you know, one with Ashley Barnes on scoring against Blackburn last season, or Benson's goal winning the league, or you know, a big picture of Sean and a quote from, you know, you know a famous quote from Sean or, or Stan Turnant or something like that. Mm. You know that. You know, that's based, yeah. based in history yeah. and past success. and I, I can, or, a load you know, of, I, I or a load of bed sheets that have been tied together yeah. with John Bond is a wanker along the side <laughs> of the <long> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's the kind of stuff or, that we want. Or, uh, yeah. Can I have your shirt, please? <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's perhaps where they go wrong, isn't it? They, they like try and manufacture these things and then yeah. say it's got to be these prescribed, you know, we can only have these certain things that we say you can have and you've got to pay through the nose for it. They could have just said, right, now you can bring flags in. Let's not go crazy, everybody, yeah. but you can bring bring flags in. And then as just see what happens. Yeah. See if, see if something develops from yeah. that organically. Mm. Uh, but but to say you can bring flags in, but you can only bring these little ones in that we sell for 20 quid or whatever. They <laughs> yeah. Are. That's where they go wrong, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. the offensive piece, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, let think, all you the know supporters I mean? clubs, yeah, bring, let this, all the supporters clubs bring in their... You know, whichever branch of the supporters clubs, and you see them all going watching the you know England cricket tours and England at uh, you know football World Cups and Euros, you know whatever Clarets, no North Staffordshire Clarets or whatever it is, let them in. You know, great, like drape the ground full of mm. them. But uh, I don't see. Yeah, that. Why, the problem, why, the problem yeah. with that is 
you're draping over advertising boards, aren't you? That's what it is these days, because it used to be they'd just be draping over some fencing or something, and now it'll be LED lighting underneath it was like, <laughs> you know, it's... it's hey, look at... I mean, yeah. well, the, the problem is there is no home end really anymore. It's, there's that corner of the cricket field stand, which still mm. doesn't really feel like a proper home end when you've got more away fans next to you on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I often felt going back to the turf having... You know, moved away, and and a lot of my memories were attached to the days of the long side and the BOL end. Uh, and then, it, to me, it's never been quite the same. I mean, you see some of them old films of like fourth division games, when you know th- those games like cup ties and stuff, where we get like maybe twelve, thirteen thousand on, and it was a big a big crowd against uh, a team from a higher division. And long side were absolutely rocking, and the noise that it made. And we've mm. never got close to that, in, even in the Premier League, really, apart from one or two great, great occasions, you know. But it, what, it, it's a bigger question, isn't it? Can, and they've been trying to, to give them some degree of credit. Uh, Russell Ball and, and those people have been at least been raising the question, well, what do we do about the atmosphere? Because they know it's not brilliant. You know, it's not just this mm. season, is it? The, the turf hasn't been rocking for a good while. You know what? What do you do? Do you create a home end somewhere and then let that space evolve its own culture? Ideally, you would, wouldn't you? But where do you where do you put it? I mean, where could you have That's a home? A, I've stood in that cricket field stand since I since I finished at uh, at, the, at the Burnley Express, and it's it's fabulous. You know, it was like you know towards really? t- towards the end of last season, everyone in unison, you know, just reveling in this glorious football, this glorious team, and. That's all it takes, isn't it? You know, it's mm. everyone. You know, there, there, there was a more more invention in terms of songs. You know, the old ones came out. It was, I don't know, just a real togetherness, a quite you know, you know, real unity. And you do get that, but it's I say at the moment when it's you know deja vu every home game and you're three 0 down with half an hour to play. Yeah, <laughs> like Simon says, though, really, last last season when we were winning games at home, the atmosphere wasn't that wasn't that magnificent then either, was it? I mean, it was kind of a bit flat sometimes. We had we sort of had the the other end of the scale last season where we were just winning games too easily, weren't we? So there was no kind of jeopardy involved. So there was no kind of you know release when we you know finally got back into a game or something like that. I think it was Greasy who suggested putting the safe standing in in that cricket field stand and having the whole thing, home fans and sticking the away fans somewhere else. I think that to me sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there'd be a logistic question about where do you put the away fans, but that's always been like used to block any ideas about that stand. And I think it's the turnstiles, can... isn't it? Where do you, you know you with any other stand, you got the away fans going in the same turnstiles as the home fans, then haven't you? And it's they say logistically, it's a nightmare. Mm. Could you just got, give them bottom of the opposite stand, bottom of the Jimmy Mack? Yeah, I'm sure you could. I don't know what the the stand the the turnstile arrangements are would be awkward, wouldn't it? I think, and also you the the entrance to there would be quite close to the club shop and things like that, wouldn't it? So it'd be a bit be a bit awkward. It's, it's a bit easier to get the coaches in and out where they are now, isn't it? It'd be better, like I say, like having filled in the corners, if they'd have filled mm. them in with some semblance of of seating, a terracing, and you could have stuck the away fans in a in a corner, maybe or something like that, and uh, 
you know, giving them a couple of thousand and and, and been done with it. But it's it's been long. It's yeah, that 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 issue's been uh, been debated, you know, long and long and loud for years. And uh, that's you know, the I, I say I think the cricket fields, I think it's decent. You know, I think the atmosphere's good in there. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll do a debrief on the flags anyway on Monday and, and see <laughs> see what see what actually happens. <laughs> see if I've ended up fighting with somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've well, let's you know. see. But um, yeah, West Ham United. That's uh, it's one of those games where it's it's obviously a tough game um, in the category of games that you hope rather than expect to win, but. You know, it is it is it is one that we should be thinking if we are going to survive of trying to get something out of it. So, in terms of the 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 team lineup, is this the game we talked about this before? But it's a fresh issue now, isn't it? Is this the game where uh, where we see Murich return? Is it actually going to happen? Do we think? I don't think. I, I think if the game had been immediately after the Arsenal game. I think uh, I think I mean they obviously haven't played since, so it's it should be the same state of play. But uh, I just don't see mm. Trafford being replaced by 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 Murich. It's the it's it's going to have to be a sort of sustained, you know, loss of form or a, a suspension or something like that. Really, it just it is what it is. It, you know, Trafford's gone away and had two clean sheets with the uh, the under twenty ones. I think Murich has had a, a clean sheet, hasn't he? I think with the. Uh, but that don't uh, that don't matter, does it really? No, but it's no, but it's yeah, it's it's, it's good for his good for his confidence levels, isn't it, etc. But uh, it's I just don't see I don't see the change being made. But we're playing a side that I say that you've got probably one of the best dead ball deliverers in the uh, in the Premier League in Ward Prowse and. Uh, He'll be thinking, you know, they'll obviously be targeting Burnley's defence, Burnley's goalkeeper, and thinking, uh, you know, they can have a field day from set plays. I mean, on 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 the discussion we had after the Arsenal game, I think it was pretty unanimous that it, it has come to the time to change the goalkeeper. I sort of know what you mean, Chris. That it feels like because there's been that break that that it feels less likely somehow. It shouldn't, should it? If he's made, if he just sat down and analysed that Arsenal game and said. You know what? I think we need to to take Trafford out of the firing line, as one of us put it. Um, nothing that's happened in ten days. We're playing for un, under twenty one teams or playing for Kosovo or whatever should have made any difference to that. I mean, do but I know I know exactly what you mean. There is that feeling that that gap has probably worked in Trafford's favour. What do you think, Justin? Would you still yeah. pull the trigger and do it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think what we said last time was it's. We we think he's going to be you know he he's got the potential to be a great goalkeeper he, he he's he's been put under a lot of pressure um, because of the number of goals we've conceded which haven't all been you know his fault feels like it feels like a bit of a roll of the dice to bring Murich back and say oh well, well we'll just just try that just give it a chance to see what happens but I think you're right the 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 heat seems to have gone out of that situation it's a long time since that. That Arsenal game now, isn't it? And so a lot of people sort of th- might think that he has been taken out of the firing line for a couple of weeks because we haven't had <laughs> any games. So that maybe right. does, maybe that does do the job and gives him a, a, a clean slate. Hopefully, I mean he has been away with uh, with England as we know. So I don't know how much work they will have been able to put in on defending set pieces on the training ground. Hopefully, they've spent some time doing it because. 
Um, they certainly need to, don't they? But I think, I, I think, I think, yes, it is, ta- it is time to just, even if it's just trying something different, because obviously what we've been trying up to now hasn't been working, has it? No, Woody, what's your thoughts on it? Do you expect to see Murich returning to a grid? No. No. No, I'd be I'd be I'd be astonished, which means it's tied on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We know it's tied on. So but no, I can't I I can't see it I can't see it happening. And it's also it's also not the main issue. It's not gonna really solve anything. Yeah, we know we, we know what Murich brings to the table, and yes, I agree. We're bringing him into the side to do that uh, for just purely and simply the, the the possession, ball control, et cetera, et cetera. But I can't, I cannot see it happening at all. I just wonder whether it whether it messes up the uh, opposition plans if 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 their sort of um, if their plan for the game is to you know drop drop crosses on him on Trafford from uh, from out wide and, and hope he flaps at a few. If that's their main main plan, and then we go and change the goalkeeper, does that upset things for them? Hopefully, um, you know, if if that does happen, then they'll think twice about doing that. Because Muric, I mean, you know, Muric is is can, can be less than commanding in the in the six yard box as well, can't he? But uh, exactly. just might just might just might give them something else to 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 think about and and just take that sort of pressure out of that whole idea that we're. You know, we're terrified every time we concede a corner. The other, the other selection choice that looks like it's going to be on the agenda. Ekdal is available by by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, does it does he come straight back into the side? Again, I'd yes. probably be. Yeah, yeah. You think you think so? Yeah. I said, I bet I'd be surprised if company did that. To be honest, I think he'd prefer to sort of after after that sort of absence. You know, you, he, I know he's had bits and pieces of, uh, you know, under twenty three, under twenty one football. Obviously, been away with his country and his his brother as well, hasn't he? So, uh, but uh, it's I'd be surprised if he dropped him in straight away against uh, you know against West Ham. But uh, you you do need that. Uh, you know, we we need someone. I mean, the, the, see, we've all spoken about you know whether they should have brought Howard Bellis in and this that and the other and. Even Howard Bellis was, you know, in, in moments where he wasn't that sort of head on a stick defender who just won everything in in the air. He was, you know, a bit more to his game. But uh, is is Ekdal that type? Is he going to, you know, head everything away? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, let's see. I'm looking at these. I see Arsenal have they've scored the most goals with corners, and obviously we contributed to to a couple of those last time out and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, in swingers. They're just gonna they're gonna be landing them in on on Trafford all afternoon, I think. And uh, let's see, it's, it's one of the centre halves has to take it upon themselves, doesn't he? Is Aldakil comes with a bit more confidence, having been away with uh, with Belgium. You know, is Bayer gonna take the bull by the horns? You know, O'Shea. It's uh, yeah. It's, I, I just I, I struggle to I struggle to see one of those sort of commanding the situation really. Woody, you were pretty emphatic in that yes just before Chris replied there. Go on. Yes. Well, I've always been an Ekdal fan. Always. And I, I was extremely, you know, I was kind of worried when uh, THB got injured that we could suddenly see things falling to bits at the back a little bit because we, we knew how much we needed uh, Harwood Bellis 
to play out, etc. And but when Ekdal came into the side with Bayer, not only did we not falter, we looked like a, a, an infinitely more accomplished side playing out from mm. the back. You know, because both Ekdal and Bayer can play, bring the ball out. They're both extremely good at, you know, passing the ball to feet, etc. Granted, he's not he's not the quickest. He's not the quickest. But um yeah, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Ekdal fan. And I think him and Bayer play extremely well together. And I'd like to see that partnership uh together again. Mm. <laughs> Just it. I, I completely agree with Woody. I think uh, um, that 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 period where I think there was a period where both our first choice uh, centre backs were missing last season, and that was when we f- first got sight of Alderkeel and Ekdal, and uh, they, they didn't they didn't put a foot wrong, they didn't miss a beat, um, and I think Ekdal's got that sort of uh, sort of calm sort of assurance about him, which I think. You know, we could do with a little bit more confidence in in that space on the pitch, and he's got a little bit more experience, and he he, he can perhaps organise things a little bit better. So yeah, I think I would have him in there um, instead of O'Shea, uh, who as to me to me hasn't had a great start to the season. I know he's 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 done some he's, he's had some decent games. I was really surprised to see. Um, I don't know if anybody else saw this uh, this graphic that the Premier League put out about uh, the top the let me get this right the fast the fastest uh, speeds that players have reached on the pitch during a Premier League game this season and O'Shea was like fourth in the on the list or something for like the 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 top the fourth fastest player on the pitch which really surprised me because he doesn't he doesn't look that quick does he when he's playing. Um, but I think he's had a he's had a difficult start to the season, and I think he does probably need a, a little bit of time out as well to regroup. So yeah, I'm completely with Woody. I think that should be our central defensive partnership. To me, that's the strongest one we've got, and that's the one we should be aiming to be playing every game when they're fit. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I take Chris's point about it being like seeming like a rush back for Ekdal, really after a long time out, but. That that'd yeah. be a, that'd be a stronger argument if if the back forward looked solid, you know. If mm-hmm. if if we'd have been decent, you'd be saying, "All right, Agdal comes back. He comes off the bench for a few weeks and and tries to fight his way into the team." But O'Shea's form's not been good at all, has it? You know, I mean, he if we had another centre half there who who'd been in decent form, Aldakiel's had a difficult time as well. So if Agdal's ready to go, I'd I'd get him in straight away. Um, but you know, only Vincent Company knows how how fit he is in terms of being match ready and, and all that kind of stuff. The other the other the other selection question I would imagine is 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 up front where obviously uh Lyle Foster's still out of the picture as far as we know. Um but Michael Obafemi is back in the picture. So J Rod deputized and I thought did pretty well at Arsenal actually in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. do you think do you think uh company will be tempted with Obafemi, or, or or he goes with uh, he, he goes with J Rod again, or maybe Amdouni, who he's played in that role. What, what do you reckon, Woody? It's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I'd 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 stick with J Rod, to be honest with you. I mean, there's it's like we don't really still know anything about Obafemi, do we? We've never seen him really start a game, have a run of games 
nor do we know how he, you know, fits in to this particular side. So it's not it's not like for like in terms of Ekdal, where we've seen him have an, have an established run in the side and we know what we gain out of him. Um, I mean, yeah, bring him, obviously bring him on for his for his legs, etc. He's a slightly different player, but I think I think J Rod, the way that he can kind of hold play with his, you know, back to goal, etc. He does it arguably as well as anybody we've currently got left in the squad kind of thing. So <laughs> I think I'd stick with uh, J-Rod. Mm. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I mean, don't forget, we're playing this new sort of system that we've we've adopted over the last couple of games where we've more or less got two players playing, you know, centrally up front. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm doing, he was playing alongside J-Rod, wasn't he, for the last couple of games, I think. So... I think that's quite a good partnership. Both different players, different abilities, different skills, and I, you know, I'd like. I think we talk a lot, don't we, about partnerships being formed on the pitch, and I think um, it be, it's nice that, that we've started the last two games with the same team. Um, certainly, in terms of those those play those offensive players, and we, we need we need those players to play together more and get more you know, get more game time together so they can begin to understand how each other play a little bit better and then that, that partnership begins to develop. So I, I don't, I didn't see anything, uh, I mean, apart from the fact that we, you know, um, we're not scoring that many goals, that that is probably for different reasons other than the fact that we haven't got that partnership right up front. Um, I think we're beginning to see something better emerging over the last couple of games. So I think with regard to that partnership, we'll keep that together and see where it takes us when, if we can stay in the game long enough for them to have an impact. Chris, would you be tempted to have a look at Obafemi or? It's, it's, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? We've seen, I mean, I'm doing these, he's a, he's a gifted footballer, you know, was that a little sequence at uh, Arsenal? Uh, in the in the second half, where he's he's turned out of trouble and he's protected the ball and moved us in field, and it it was magnificent to watch a Burnley player so technically gifted and confident in his ability, and uh, I think it's even even like Goodmanson sort of respected that on 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 the pitch. You could see uh, in his gestures, but. Uh, Obafemi's got that pace and power, though, hasn't he? I, I wonder whether I'd be I'd be tempted to sort of to let him off the leash, really. And uh, it's just whether you you go with the old head of uh, of Jay, you know, that technical ability, and you know that bit more, a bit more of an old fashioned number nine, or uh, a, a go with Amdouni, who does some great work, but can he do it in the? You know, it, it, can we get him to do that in the right areas? It's. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real tough one, but uh, it, again, is it? I say I'd like to think he'd go with that similar that similar system. So hopefully he does go with the you know the the, the two effectively up front. But uh, yeah, two from three. Yeah, it, it's one of them. It looks to me like it feels like one of them where J Rod will start, and we might see Obafemi around sixty eight minutes coming on to try and give us a bit more extra life into our attacks. Um, depends how the game goes, obviously, but it does feel like that that might be the way you'd expect Obafemi to be reintroduced after a long time out of the team. Um, any other selection issues? Any Anyone you think should be pushing to start in this game because it's West Ham or because they deserve a chance? Or do we expect it to be 
again a sort of attempt at continuity given given you know we got some decent return on sticking with roughly the same side against Arsenal. I think Coley Osho has to start. And you look at that's the one area again, you look at Kufal at, at right back for West Ham and you think he can have an absolute field day. You know, he's experienced old head and he's you know he's a you know an international footballer Kufal he's no mug. But you can sense one of them situations where he's going to be on a, a yellow card in the first half, maybe after you know initial uh, initial run. And uh, yeah, on on the other side, so more than more than happy to see Johan stay in in, in the picture and uh, definitely and, and reta- yeah and reta- and retain uh, Brownhill and, and and Berg who's developing into it. I think a lot of people didn't think he could play as a you know defensive midfielder, but. Seems to be rel- you know, reveling in this role at the moment. Reveling in a role? That's good newspaper talk. Isn't <laughs> <that>? <laughs> You're only reveling Revolution. a role in newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a funny one, isn't it? It's 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 there's so many so many apparent options, but I, I think you're right. I think he did start to look something like a midfield. Goodmanson, I totally agree with. Every time he's in the side, it just feels yep. more solid. It just mm-hmm. feels like you know, we know what he can do going forward, but it's, it's all that work he does off the ball um, that, you know, goes underappreciated, I think, really, that the times he covers across on the other side of the field as well. He he works. He works his socks off, does Johan, and he's got a bit of nous about him, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. But um, I, think, well, I think, I expect we'll see something broadly similar to what we saw against Arsenal in that respect. West Ham, though, um, they seem to have a few injury problems. Not that we wish injuries upon anybody, but from... A Burnley point of view, when you look, latest news today is that Jared Boyd, Mikel Antonio and Mohamed Kudus are all deeply worrying, uh, according to hammersnews.com. Um, <laughs> Bowen, Bowen and uh, Mikel Antonio, if, if those were both missing, that's, that's, that's West Ham's attack. Badly weakened, isn't it? Yes. Mm. <clears throat> it genuinely is. So... Yeah, so it's 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 a it's obviously a good time to play them, isn't it? And you can see <laughs> you can see that Moise Moise is gonna you, you know what Moise is gonna do? He's gonna shut up shop, uh, try and try and get a point. Thanks for coming, and um, and that's that. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to break break them down in some which way, shape, or form. So it it could be quite interesting. I'm not sure mm-hmm. about that. I'm not sure many teams are coming to Burnley thinking we'll try and get a point yeah. here. They're a Pretty very well. counter-attacking side. They're very counter-attacking side this season, West Ham. And so Bowen's been playing as a forward, hasn't he? Rather than you know through the middle, rather than in a in a wider role. Uh, obviously, Antonio looks looks to be the worst of the three from what I've seen. He, he played against uh, Canada, didn't he, for uh, for Jamaica and and hurt himself. I mean, he. Had, I think he's five. Five of his six goals have come at Turf Moor. He seems to do really well there. Kudos played second half uh, the other day. You know, I think two days ago uh, internationally. So whether he's picked up something there, I don't know. But uh, it's, I mean, Corne looks like he's on the way back rather than rather than sort of you know him with any chance of plays. You know. Max, he'd just he'd probably come back to haunt us, wouldn't he? But, uh, mm-hmm. They've still got more than enough quality. Talk talk about Ward Prowse before, and 
Uh, Suchek no. always seems to pop yeah. up with a set with a set piece goal and things like that. They've uh, yeah, they've, they've more than enough. But uh, I know they they get a bit of stick. It's maybe not the West Ham way at the moment. You know, we'll, everyone has a way, don't they? But uh, it's you know they're they're enjoying a period West Ham that they've probably you know they've they've never they've never known for donkeys years, have they? <laughs> don't mm. know, don't know when you, you know, they've never had it so good, sort of thing. But yeah. Danny Ings there as well, though, isn't there? If they've got injury problems up front, is he, is he fit at the moment? Who knows? <laughs> he's another. I mean, we've seen enough of. I mean, Danny's come back to haunt us numerous times, and he's uh, he's he's certainly got the quality to still uh, to still perform at this level. It's. Uh, you know, maybe itching for an opportunity like that, but uh, it's I I I just see it again. I see an extremely difficult afternoon. I think they'll be hard to break down, but uh, I see Coley Olshaw mm. might well be key down that side. Didn't play a lot mm. recently under twenty ones. I think he came on with like ten fifteen minutes to go the other night, but then had a massive impact when he came on. Created two chances and and they got an equaliser into the under-21s. I didn't watch it. I was reading a report about it, but but uh, it sounds like he, he had an impact again. As he does. He does have impacts. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, getting it out of him across the 90 minutes has been difficult, hasn't it? But uh, given his age and lack of experience, that's that's to be expected, I suppose. But th- those wide areas with all those options we've got, um, he, he, he has been one of the brighter ones, hasn't he, really? But um, you do wonder if we can get this side together if is is there a place in it for this you know belgian player of the year mike trezor you know yeah. we, we 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 expected so much from him we've seen so little but he's got to give him a run at some stage hasn't he i mean i'm not saying he will do in this game but you you do wonder what 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 his future is really yeah. you don't see him in the brownhill role so unless he were to play as one of the the two in this current system yeah I say I, I wouldn't put him. I won't put him ahead of Collie Show or or or, uh, or JBG at the moment. I mean, I say that was the the most the most pleasing thing about Collie Oshu. You know, taking on the you know Tommy Asu, who's a, you know he's a I think he's a fabulous you know fabulous player. You know, he's uh, and he caused him no end of trouble. You know, during that uh, that spell start of the second half and all this sort of. Oh, he, well, he he fouled him for the, no, he didn't. Come on, look at the size of the two of them. <laughs> but uh, he, no, he, he 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 just he, he took him on, and he fancied his chances again. We, we're talking after the the Palace game about he's trying he's finding a bit of variety. I think now in his his final delivery as well, which could only uh, only bode well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point that his 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 final ball his decision making. You can see it improving game over game, and there's I I, I can see if we can get things to click, um, then Kaliosho could be could be key moving forwards. He's not just a a chicken with no head with with less product. He's you know he's starting to find uh, you know good balls into the box etc. It's just that we've got to make sure that we get onto the end of those and do something with them. Right, let's make fools of ourselves now with with our predictions. <laughs> these these never end well. These never end well because at heart, really, even though we mourn a lot, we're all pretty optimistic. But uh, let's start off with uh, 
let's start off with Chris. Chris, prediction. What's it going to be like? What's the score going to be? Uh, I say, I think, you know, I think it'll play into their hands. I think we'll have possession and I think they'll be quite happy to uh, to counter. You know, massive, massively interested, as we've just spoke about, about who who gets the nod up front for them, who's fit for them, may well alter their, their outlook. But uh, I can see them being a pain to break down. I, I think I think if they get their noses in front, I think a, a, a goose might be cooked. I think that West Ham to win 1-0 or 2-1. You can't have two options. You've got to go with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll say I'll say we will score then. So it's going to be 2-1 West Ham. 2-1 West Ham says Chris Borden. Woody. Uh I think we're going to I think we're going to go with the draw. I think it might be one apiece. What do you All go right. for one of these? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, but, um, working on the principle that whatever I say, the opposite almost always happens. I'm going to go for a 3-1 uh, West Ham win. Um, I think, I think um, you know, they'll they'll score, score a couple on the break after we go ahead. And then as we throw everything at them for the last five minutes, they'll get another one on the break. So, so you know, I'm, I'm hoping that by making that prediction the exact opposite will happen that as what usually does nice right. psychology that interesting mm. reverse psychology yeah. yeah yeah right i'm going one nil win for burnley absolutely appalling scrappy game uh decided <laughs> by an ekdal header from a corner uh with seven minutes to go then we don't have time to give it up well, we would have, wouldn't we? But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to bring you up on that, Simon, there's six teams in the Premier League yet to score from a corner. Yeah, guess, who's one, guess who's one of them? Yeah, yeah. we can guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to break some form of uh, jinx. But <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. what it's going to be about, isn't it? Staying in the game, Stay, not conceding stupid goals. Yeah, you know that's what it's going to be about. If we can do that, I, I'm not worried about what we've got up front. I think we can do damage to anybody if we if we've got a platform to do it from. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's. I, I'm happy if it's a really ugly, scrappy game. You know, mm-hmm. we haven't had many of them. Um, you know, and, and when we've had those sort of games, Luton and Notts Forest were more that kind of game. We've got some out of them, so I think there's a lesson mm. there. I think. You know, I don't think we're we're as good as we'd we'd like to be when we're when we're playing uh, playing the ball uh, around the field and trying to dominate possession, and then we just give it away too often. So I'd be quite happy with a scrappy one. Greavesy did send us uh, some stats just as a final thing on the sort of big picture. Um, I think it's the Daily Mirror that had this today. The task facing Clarets boss Vincent Companies highlighted even more if you consider. Only three teams have previously had as few as four points after 12 games. Everton in 94-95, QPR in 2012-13, and Sheffield United in 2020-21, who had only one point. A further seven teams have been on five points at this stage, and eight of ten of them were relegated. The only mm-hmm. survivors, Everton again, and Crystal Palace under Hodgson in 2018 after that Frank De Boer start to the season where I think he lost to Burnley and got sacked after that game, didn't he? But uh, the the stats are getting worse and worse, aren't they, every week in terms of our likelihood of survival. But um, something going right this weekend could change all that around a lot, couldn't it? 
Uh, yeah, of course it could. And don't forget that. I mean, we've got that. <laughs> we've got that. Um, we've got that um, Everton points deduction, which means we're no longer like more than one win away from getting out of the bottom three. I know. I think it would be a bit foolish to rely on that because yeah, there's every chance that that will either be reduced or whatever on appeal. We can't. We can't. But I mean, it's like it's it be, if results go our way on Saturday, we could get out of the bottom three, couldn't we? Mm. You know, it could it could happen. And what a, what a what a sort of morale booster that will be. I'm, I don't. I mean, these records are made to to be broken, aren't they? I mean, it's it's it, the game's different now, isn't it? The distribution of points throughout the division is different to how it used to be. You get you get teams at the top. The top six are, are going to hoover up so many points that the teams at the bottom won't probably need as many as they used to to stay up. So I'm disregarding that altogether. As long as we're completely irrelevant. As, yeah, completely irrelevant. As long as as long as we're, you know, not more than a couple of games away from getting out of that bottom three after Christmas, I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'll be pleased. Yeah, it, 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 it is. You look at those numbers, though. Eight out of ten. You know, that's the odds. The odds are stacked against us doing this this season, aren't they? I mean, Chris, you don't think we're going to do it? Do you? Say, I Everton had well, Everton have 42 games, didn't they? Everton have 42 games rather than 38 to get out of the trouble. Mm. So that sort yeah, of complicates that scenario. But I, 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 I can see, you know, the, it literally is about finishing above Luton, Sheffield United and probably Bournemouth because I think Everton, even if they stay with a 10-point deduction, will be fine. Sean's got them flying, and uh, you know they'll, they'll pick up more yeah. than enough points. But uh, there, it's again, it, it's it's just turning, it, you know, it's turning half decent performances into points, isn't it? It's get that know-how. It's all we're talking about, like that know-how of how to play in the Premier League. Well, there's not only the know-how of how to play in the Premier League, there's know-how of how to actually turn that into points as well. And uh, you know these young lads are learning on the job and it's the sooner it clicks the better but it's i i I say in my heart i feel it's a bit of a bit of a forlorn uh forlorn task this and it's going to be a a really long (laughs) dismal season i'm i'm in a whatsapp group that there's a couple of everton fans in and and when that news came out about that 10 point deductions there were like all these people going oh sorry for you mate feel for you like it's not right you know city and chelsea what they've done and Everton get punished for it. Oh, it must feel awful and everything. I was like, hold on. Imagine what it feels like to still be below them after they get a 10. I said, I did yeah. say, I mean, Portsmouth got nine points taken off them 9 10 and beat Burnley home and away that season. So it's, <laughs> it's, mm. <laughs> it's no, but it's no uh, sort of marker, is it? It's, Won't bother Sean, will it? Awful. It won't be bothering Sean. He'll be telling them, you know, he'll be using that to to fire them up and motivate them and all that. Control but the controllables. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, let's see if we can control the controllables this weekend or control uh, a little bit of possession in midfield. It'd be a, it'd be a start for us. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody, for, for listening in. We'll be back uh, with the debrief on Monday where we'll go through it all, as always, with our unfiltered opinions. And... Uh, until then, please do, uh, as we always say, uh, follow us on social media. You probably already are at BO Podcast. Do leave us a review wherever you listen to us. Give us a little thumbs up. 
And uh, yeah, have a good weekend. Uh, if you're in America, have a good uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, up the clarets. <laughs>